0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Hello and welcome. My name is Hannah and it's a joy to be speaking to you this morning. My prayer is that we go about the rest of our day today meeting with others, having lunch, enjoying a coffee uh, after our time together, feeling energised inspired and challenged uh, to continue to follow Jesus whilst praying we do not know what to do but our eyes are upon you and that prayer is from 2 chronicles 20 verse 12 which we'll be looking at a little uh, while from here let's pray spirit would you come holy spirit would you come you are so welcome here We pray that you would speak to us and that you would move in a powerful way whilst we listen to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, lessons from lockdown. It would be silly for me to not to uh, explain a little bit of what I experienced. Um, For those who don't know, on the 3rd of June, 2020. Uh, I gave birth to our first child, uh, who Jordan and I named Caleb. He is handsome, hilarious and beautiful, uh, and we love him. I've got a photo to show you just because he's so cute. Uh, so on the left there, you've got me and Jordan. That was our first day back home after our time in hospital. And uh, and then on the right there, that's him now, 15 months later, Um Timing for us was actually pretty good. Uh, uh, I was in hospital for three days afterwards, and Jordan was still able to come and visit, which was just beautiful. And and by then, family and friends were able to come and sit in your garden. So that was good for us, uh, so they could at least see him in person. But, of course, it wasn't quite what we expected our first year of parenting to look like. But in the autumn, it turned out that we were able to bubble. So we bubbled with my parents, who were just an hour away, which was really uh, helpful uh, as well. But ultimately, we missed out. That's the truth. We missed out. We, Jordan and I didn't get to experience what we thought we might have Experience being new parents, and for me uh, personally, that that was a big part of that was not being able to experience uh, the Gavage Church as a new mum as well. Especially being employed by them, I was really looking forward to it. I was looking forward to sitting in buggy row. Do you remember what that was? Uh, we, you know, I was looking forward to our church weekend and introducing Caleb to all. I was looking forward to juggling nappies and naps and feeds at the same time as trying to worship God and engage with what was going on. I was looking forward to just being a a new mum in a way that I had seen done before. And uh, this is not what we're going to focus on today, but I will say it. It's okay to grieve. I came prepared. (laughs) It's okay to grieve and it's okay to cry. Men, women and children. It's okay to grieve, it's okay to mourn the things that we lose and the things that we were looking forward to that we didn't get to experience. And most importantly in this time, and I will say this, because all of our circumstances and experiences are very different, and it's important in this time to not compare our situations to other people, uh, and not think that your situation is less significant than others? Because comparison has no place in grief, because we all lose, right? Yes, I didn't lose anyone because of COVID. I, I didn't lose my baby. I, I didn't lose my house or my job. But I did lose something. And it's, it's OK for all of us to grieve those things that we lost. So we had a baby. <laughs> We had a baby during lockdown and parenting younglings, yes, um, is generally quite a challenge, but we've survived and Caleb is still alive and he's happy and he's great. And we have fun uh, doing the parenting thing. And I returned to work part-time in April, 2021. And one of the things um, I've learned to do during this last season, um, which I hope to pass on to you coherently today, is this. Trust the process. I've learned to trust the process. So a couple of things come to mind. The government did what they did because they thought it was the right thing to do, right? They, they put in restrictions, lockdowns, rules that, were, that we had to follow, which we still are. And, uh, and they did what they did to attempt to ultimately save lives. They had a process. They put forward a process, and we as the general public had to trust that process, however painful it was. We're, we're made to be together and enjoy each other's company physically as well as online, and we were told we couldn't do that, so it was painful. I had a new, squidgy, ridiculously cute little baby that smells like a baby, and you know, he's just, he was so cute, and I wanted to be able to give him to other people, and I couldn't, but we had to trust the process. When Caleb reached the age at which sleep training is acceptable in today's society, I thought, well, let's do it. Uh, it, There's there's no better time to do it than in lockdown because I can sleep when he sleeps. Um, So I thought, well, okay, I've done the research online and uh, I felt fairly confident. I'd heard the horror stories for sure, uh, but thought, well, let's just go for it. So we did. And I camped outside his room for a number of days. And I went in after one minute, after two, after three, after four, etc and he cried babies cry (laughs) funnily enough he cried and but we just had to trust the process we knew he wasn't in pain we knew he was safe we knew he wasn't hungry because we just fed him we just had to trust the process because we knew it was just him learning how to go to sleep by himself it was painful he was tiring but we had to trust the process. And when we think about processes, the way we do things, the the next steps we decide to take to get from A to B, we start to realise that processes are really important. The way we do things, the, the next steps we take are really important. The process matters because it can determine the outcome and what's accomplished along the journey. When in our daily walk with Jesus, we come up against hurdles and challenges that, we, that require us to follow a process, whatever process that may be. And, and we do it without even thinking, right? We decide to do this uh, because of this reason. Or uh, it could be because we've done it before. So we've done it before and it works, so we'll do it again. That's the process. Or uh, we've seen it done before by the person to our right or to our left, so we think, oh, that's, that's probably a good idea. Or we decide to do what looks Right, or that we think makes sense. But the challenge is not to trust in our own approach, our own ideas, our own method, or our own process, but to trust in His. Trust God's process. And the Bible is full of stories, of accounts, and moments where God tells someone to follow the process He sets before them sometimes with an explanation and sometimes without. Noah was told by God to build the ark in the middle of a drought, because apparently a flood was coming in the middle of a drought. Moses was told to go to the leader of the most powerful nation in the world to tell him to let his workmen go free, for free. That sounds like a deaf sentence to me. David was told that he was going to be king whilst he was still with the smelly sheep in the fields. Talk about false hope. <laughs> Mary was told that she was going to have this baby boy that will save the world when she wasn't even married, and she hadn't had sex yet. Enough sex. Jesus tells his disciples to feed thousands, thousands of people. Thousands of people with just two fish and three loaves of bread. That's funny. <laughs> there were numerous occasions, examples that we can read in scripture where God's process looks wrong and seems ridiculous, appears to be uh, complete nonsense and really painful. And we learn, don't we, that when we don't trust in his process, and we read of it, uh, and when people decide against it, that things go wrong. But when we do trust in his process, however ridiculous, foolish and painful it may appear, his ways are always true. And there's a moment in history which we're going to focus on next, which is this. And we can read of it in 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. And it's of King Jehoshaphat. I think he's, bec- he's becoming one of my faves. Uh, king Jehoshaphat. He was king uh, of, uh, of his nation. And at this time, the surrounding nations declared war on his. Okay, bummer, right? Uh, something to, to sort out. And instead of creating his own plan, uh, he turned to God. And Jehoshaphat proclaimed a a nationwide fast and called together a massive prayer meeting. Uh, It was super nuts and super fun, I could imagine. Uh, And he prayed to God and God responded to him with the words through a prophet who stood. And verse 14, it says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him as they waited on God. And he said, verse 15, this is what he said. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle isn't yours, but God's. Tomorrow, what I want you to do is march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jurel, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and then stand still. Okay. Uh, Then stand still and watch... The Lord's victory take place. He's with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be discouraged or afraid. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So they did what they believed to what God told them to do. And for sure, it's exactly what happens. They turn the corner to find not a vast army ready and raring to go, but an army of dead soldiers who had turned on each other. Now, this moment in history amazes me. A prophet steps up with a word from the Lord, telling them what to do about the oncoming armies, which was to stand still. In order to win the war, God told them that they didn't need to fight. I mean, hold on. That's not how it works. That's not, We see it in the world. That's not how it works. You do not win a war by standing still and not fighting. That doesn't make sense, does it? Well, that's what we would choose to believe, probably. And why would we trust in God's process when it looks that ridiculous, when it looks that nuts, when it doesn't make sense, when it's the complete opposite to what seems right to do. And so why would we trust in his processes when it looks that ridiculous? Why would we do that? Because he knows best. It is as simple as that. He knows best. And why is it that we mere humans who have the king of heaven and earth as our victory leader who knows all things and can do all things why do we choose to trust in our own ideas our own approach our own method and our own processes rather than his why do we do that because we think we know better or we don't even think about it we just think we're doing what we're doing because we know what to do of course And like I said earlier, it it is okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be here. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. And it's okay to have moments of frustration in these moments where we think, this doesn't make sense, God. Surely, surely that is not right. But God can handle our questions. The Psalms are full of them. God can handle our frustrations, of course. But if we cannot... Also, accept that we do not always, if ever, know what's best. We will never be able to trust in God's process. If we cannot believe God to be the one who is all knowing and all loving, then we will find it very hard to live in the peace and the joy that He gives us. We can trust in God's process because he knows best. And not only can we trust in this process because he knows best, but because the battle is ultimately his. Of course he knows best because it's his fight that he's fighting. And we can try so hard to do everything right and make the wisest decisions that we can and feel like we're wearing the whole world on our shoulders, but it doesn't need to be like that. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So leave the battle to me. It's mine to fight, not yours. What do I want you to do? I want you to stand still. Stand still, for you do not need to fight. The fight is mine. And in the middle of the... Oh, gosh. In the middle of the night, when... ..last year at some point, when I was feeding Caleb... ..I was holding this marble. You probably can't see it, but it's so small. Like, I just saw it on the top. It's really helpful having a marble in a kid's bedroom, lol. Uh, (laughs) I just saw it on his top. I don't even know where it came from. And and it has no real significance other than it just reminds me of this moment that I had because I was holding it. But I had this moment in the middle of the night when I was feeding Caleb, when everyone else was asleep other other than other mums who were feeding or dads feeding. But I had this moment of uh, rich, uh, deep and raw sadness for what was going on in the world, in our nation, And I was grieving and I was mourning things that I had lost. And I cried. (laughs) I cried out to God. I cried out in that moment to him. And I just knew. The spirit came and I just knew. I knew that I knew that I knew that God knew best. In that raw and rich moment of sadness, I just knew. After I cried out to him, I cried out to him. He, he came to me, revealed to me again that he knew best and the battle was his. And when we trust in his process, when we, when we make that change, when we ask the spirit to change that within us, everything else seems to make sense even when it looks so ridiculous. And when we trust in his process, everything else seems to matter just a little bit less, because it's not in our hands anymore, but it's in his. And now the process may seem slow, and it might actually seem too fast for some of you. It might seem too painful and maybe too easy The process may look ridiculous and full of frustration and just really, really painful. And so how, what does that look like? What does does God's process, trusting in his process, look like? Well, it looks like what Jehoshaphat did. And we we go uh, uh, back just a little bit to verse 3 in 2 Chronicles 20, when he heard about the oncoming traffic of other nations, Jehoshaphat was terrified. I'm sure many of us can relate to that. He was terrified when he heard that these armies were coming to fight him. And he ordered, he, he, what did he do next? He begged the Lord for guidance. When was the last time we begged the Lord for anything? He was terrified, and so he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judea to begin fasting. Verse 4, so people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord, and he prayed, Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are God who is in heaven, you are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and you are mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Trusting in his process looks like recognising who God is, and what he has done. How can we do that? What does it look like? It looks like reminding ourselves of who God is. In that moment of pain and frustration, in the season, it's not just a moment, is it? It just carries on, it keeps carrying on. We keep on, keep on, keep on, keeping on, reminding ourselves of who God is. God, you are the king of heaven and earth. There is no one like you. You are good. You are good. You are good all the time. It's remembering who he is and what he's done. God, you've been faithful to me. You have been faithful. I can't say, I couldn't save myself. You are the one who saved me. It's by grace I am saved, not by anything that I've done or earned. You have saved me. God, you are good and you have done this for me and I thank you. And as they made their way not to fight, which God told them not to do. This is what happened next. Verse 21, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy spender. This is what they sang, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. At the moment they began to sing and praise the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. I'm not sure that we fully understand the extent of the power of when we worship God. Because when we glorify him, when we surrender to him, when we bow down, when we give our all to him in praise and in worship, that is when things happen. They sung, they praised God. And at that moment, it said, at that moment, God saved them. He came to their rescue. And I know that in the pain and the suffering and the confusion and the frustration, and even when we're being content, worshipping God is sometimes the hardest thing to do. Trusting in his process is one of the hardest things to do. But in order to trust his process fully, we have to remember. Remember who he is and what he has done. Trust God's process for he knows best. And for the battle isn't ours to fight, but it's his. And I'd love us to pray using psalm 95 and if you'd like to please do stand with me as we continue to worship and for some i believe god really wants to meet with you uh, in your in your grief and your pain and maybe you've lost something or some things over the last season i know some of you have And just in this next moment, you just need to to sit under his wings and you just need to choose to worship. Choose to love him and to glorify him and to give him the praise that he is worthy. He wants to stand with you. He wants to be with you. And if that is you, if you think that is you, then why don't you just hold your hands out, ready to receive his spirit, to receive his love and his goodness and his peace and his comfort. And for others, I believe um, God wants to meet with you in in your confusion and your frustration, uh, in the process that God has actually called you to walk through. And if that's you, why don't you just put your hand on your heart. Sorry, that was the mic. Hand on your heart as we ask the Spirit to come and invade your soul so that you know, that you know that you know that God knows best and that he is for you and that he is with you. So let's pray. We're going to pray using Psalm 95 because this is what it says. Come. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him for he made it. his hands from the dry land to come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are his people. He watches over the flock under his care. Holy Spirit, we ask that right now you would come and inject into us a new and fresh confidence in your goodness, in your love and in your power. Help us, God, to trust in your ways and your process rather than our own rather than trusting in our own methods. We do not know what to do, God, but our eyes are upon you. Spirit, would you come, fill us afresh, inject into us that new confidence. We wait on you. We need saving. We need healing, and so, God, would you come in power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.